that as the first kind of characteristic that I would jump to about solo travel. I'm quite introverted myself, I think. But saying that, I, I do think that everyone can benefit from solo travel. And I do think it's something that you know we should all do at least once in our lives, like men, men and women. I mean, personally, I do need a lot. Well, I don't get a lot of my own time, but I, I do really value time on my own. It clears my head. It makes me a nicer person. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the Kamari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified Kamari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Taking to the road alone is a brave decision. Today, we are speaking to Gemma Thompson. Gemma is an award-winning writer, podcaster, and specialist in solo female travel. In 2014, she published the popular anthology, A Girl's Guide to Traveling Alone, and has also recently launched a podcast of the same name. Gemma caught the solo travel bug as a child in Durham in the northeast of England. She took her first solo trip when she was 12 and went to Newcastle, 14 miles away. I love traveling and have taken several trips on my own, so I'm really looking forward to learning more about solo travel adventures. Welcome, Gemma. Hello. Hi. Hi. It's really nice to speak to you. Thanks for having me on. We're so happy that you joined us today, and I'm very interested in this whole idea of solo travel. What made that so compelling for you? I think that, I mean, that is a good question because I think that everyone will have their own reasons for wanting to travel alone. For me, it was something that I wanted to do from a a young age, like you just mentioned. I think looking back, this is maybe a part of nature-nurture thing. I desperately wanted to do it on my own because I just wanted to do what I wanted, when I wanted, go when I wanted. And when I was like 12 or 13, I was only going to the next city over on the bus. (laughs) Um, But I was so desperate to go on my own. And I think that that was always in me to, to want to have time on my own. Which may sound a little bit selfish, but I think the the older I, I get, I just feel like time on your own, uh, personally, having time on my own helps me stay sane. <laughs> Sometimes I do need a bit of time um, to myself every now and again. I think for me, this whole idea that, you know, just going someplace and just deciding that you're just going to go explore and that time that you have to just wander as yeah. opposed to something more structured, which I think the more people that are involved in a trip, the more structured it becomes just by necessity. Um, so to me, that has been like my favorite part, just as you were saying. It's just this whole idea that you're able to decide what time you're going to get up and what time you're going to go do this thing or that thing. Or maybe you're just going to wander around aimlessly. I'm a big fan of wandering around aimlessly. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, sometimes that's when the best things happen when you're wandering around. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. So tell us about some of your favorite trips. What have been some of the most memorable adventures you've had? Some of my favorite memories have come from a time when I've really pushed myself outside of my comfort zone. And I realize that sounds like a massive cliche, but it's definitely rung true for me over the years. Personally, I've never been really adventurous when it comes to like outdoor pursuits. And, you know, I'm never really, I'm not really an outdoorsy girl. I'm a city girl, really. But um, the first time I went backpacking on my own, there were things that I did that I would have never even dreamt of. I would have never thought possible. For example, I went diving when I was in Thailand um, on an island called Koh Phangan, 
what happens when we got out there is I kind of froze in panic a little bit when we were out at sea and uh, the visibility was really poor. Uh, I couldn't remember any how the equipment worked. We were starting to descend and I started to get like hyperventilate. I was having a panic attack and went back up to the surface. When you're getting ready for a trip or you're deciding about where to go, mm. do you have like a particular vision in mind as far as this is the kind of adventure that I want to go on? And then you start building your trip around what you hope to achieve on the trip? Or is it more that you're drawn to a particular destination? How does the vision come into play as far as deciding what your agenda will be or what your itinerary will be? Yeah, um, I think this differs from trip to trip. And I think it goes back more to your first point about what I need at that time out of a trip. I mean, don't get me wrong. My bucket list of destinations is like an ever-growing list. There's so many places that I want to go to, but sometimes timing-wise, I'll really want to go to like have a city break or, you know, other times if I'm really exhausted and really tired, I don't want to be in another city. I want to go somewhere which is a bit more chilled out and I want to be out in the open air really or get some fresh air and most of the time it's about what I need at that time I think that is the hardest part really working out what it is that you want uh, what it is that you need out of the next trip typically I like the security that a group travel really provides just thinking about that safety do you have any suggestions to kind of be more aware of some scenarios that especially women might find themselves Mm. in when traveling I always bleat on about doing the research, but it's absolutely key, especially when you're traveling alone. Doing the research has kind of saved me so many times because when we're going to cultures which are very different to our own, everything's going to be different. So women might be held in a different regard in another country to what you're used to back home. And you need to adapt to that environment. You can't, you have to respect the the culture of the city or the country that you're going to. And reading up as well about any known dangers where you're heading to. I mean, this could be something like pickpockets in Barcelona, or it could be cultural, like, you know, having to cover up when you're uh, visiting temples in Thailand. I mean, no no one wants to be that person. And it's normally a British person who's um, going around. I can feel that because I am British. (laughs) Um, No one wants to be that person who turns up to like a beautiful Buddhist temple in a bikini or anything like that. And that will draw unwanted attention to you. I talked to a security expert actually called Lloyd Figgins on my podcast. Now he's an international professional risk um, manager. It's small little things that you can do to just kind of eliminate some risk or reduce risk. Even like comfy walking shoes, you want to be comfortable. You want to feel safe. If you are nervous, I mean, and this has happened to me before. So I've been in an Airbnb. It was absolutely fine. It was in a lovely neighborhood, felt really safe. Nothing happened at all. But the apartment was actually like quite a big apartment. I didn't realize. When I kind of like went out onto the balcony, I realized, oh, there's actually not that many lights on. There's one or two. This building is quite empty apart from me. (laughs) And that made me feel a bit nervous, kind of maybe a bit anxious and I had trouble sleeping. So one of his suggestions, which is, I think, a really good one, you can always travel with like a really small little door wedge. So it'll just make you feel a bit more comfortable. So if you're in a hotel or whatever, and even if someone else has got a key, they can't get in. I mean, I know that sounds a bit far-fetched, but I know people who do suffer with anxiety when they're on their own, especially in a hotel or an Airbnb. So are there any places that you just wouldn't go as a solo traveler, especially a solo female traveler? 
I don't think there's anywhere in the world that I wouldn't want to visit at least once. I can't think of anywhere, at least. Obviously, I would never step foot in a country going through any sort of civil unrest or war or anything. I think there'll be something of interest or, or beauty anywhere in the world. And there's always something to learn. That's what I feel like, you know, travel is an education and we can learn something from everywhere that we visit. There's places that I've been back to time and time again, and even then, there's always something new. Um, even a barren desert can have its own beauty um, and have its own interest. I love that suggestion that you made about getting that door wedge. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's any other things that you do to organize for a trip, specifically a trip that you're taking on your own. I imagine that may come with some really specific packing requirements mm -hmm. or you mentioned research and really planning the vision for your trip. Are there any ways that you kind of tidy up before you go on these solo travel trips? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'll always work out my route from the airport to wherever I'm staying before I leave the UK because there's been a few moments where although I've got roaming on my phone, it just doesn't work for some reason. I don't want to get there and land and not be able to work it out. I'll always have a couple of options and I'll take a screenshot of them on my phone as well and I'll write down my hotel address or whatever. I'll write that down by hand just in case anything happens to my phone or my phone battery dies or something. Or So I'll always know the route that I need to take or I'll have a couple of versions of the route. So that eliminates any kind of stress at the other end. And now this is really nerdy, but before I book my hotel, I'll uh, research which kind of neighborhood I want to stay in or you know which kind of hotels or Airbnbs or whatever have the best reviews. And then when I've narrowed it down to one or two, I'll look them up on Google Maps. First of all, I'll work out the like walking distances to most of the places that I want to be. You know, is it going to be in a good location? Because I, I don't want to be sitting on like a train for half a day to get where I want to be. And then also I'll do a street view. I'll drag the little man icon onto the uh, map so you can get the street view. And this means I can see what the neighborhood's going to look like. I can see the building where I'm going to stay, which is quite exciting. And I can also, it, well, it also familiarizes me with the neighborhood before I get there. So I'm less likely to get lost or disorientated when I land. So all of those things I do before I go. And I even research like where I might want to eat, where the best, for example, tapas restaurants are in Barcelona or where I can get the best French food in Paris. And I'll even like make sure that I'm not too far away from that. So there's loads of like location research goes into it as well. And, and I also learn a bit of the language because I do think that that gives you a slightly more immersive experience, a more rounded experience. And it's like, kind of always good fun to try at least having one successful exchange while you're on a trip, if it's in like French or Spanish or Icelandic or Swedish, or I just think that there's something quite fun about um, learning a new language and it's nice to try and people do um, appreciate the effort. And what kind of favorite things do you have in your bag? We often mm. ask our organizer friends <laughs> what their favorite tidying tip is, but I would love to know what your favorite tip is in terms oh. of like what you keep in your travel bag. Well, yeah, I mean, I try to travel really super light because I just find that it's easier if I have like a carry on rather than a suitcase and stuff like that. It saves mm -hmm. money, you know, it's quicker at the other end. Now in my like little bag that I have during the day, I'm trying to think if there's anything exciting in there. There's always sunblock. 
I've always written down like a little, oh, this is really nerdy. On one side of the sheet, I'll have the uh, words for hello, thank you, goodbye, please. You know, a few phrases, uh, how much is it and, and all that kind of stuff. And then on the other side, I'll have a, like a quick conversion from the local currency to my own currency so I can see at a glance. And then that helps me get used to doing the conversions in my head much quicker. <laughs> I'll make one of those. I'll make one of those and I'll take that with me. Now I've got my guidebook. I've always got as well a little bit of chocolate because I yeah can't get through the day without it. And I'll go to a supermarket or wherever I'm, I'm staying and that's quite fun for me. I know that sounds really nerdy, but um, and I'll buy like, a couple of bars of chocolate and I'll have them in my bag as well. And it's fun because it's like Swedish chocolate or it's Spanish chocolate or Argentinian chocolate. And so I'll, I'll have that just to keep me going as well. We definitely want to recognize there is a fun side to this, of course, and it does require a bit of planning up front. But I imagine that we might have some listeners who, like me, are a little bit hesitant to travel alone. I think that I enjoy definitely being in a group setting when it comes to travel. But I also, and I guess this speaks to my introvert nature, enjoy the wandering off on my own, kind of taking the moment to refresh and just saving my best energy like for myself and in my own self-care while I'm traveling. So I was wondering, like, is there a certain person or a personality type that is best suited for doing true solo traveling without any tethering to a group? Hmm. Um, well, it's interesting what you said just then about being um, an introvert, because that is the first kind of characteristic that I would jump to about solo travel I'm quite introverted myself I think but saying that I, I do think that everyone can benefit from solo travel and I do think it's something that you know we should all do at least once in our lives like men, men and women personally I, I don't get a lot of my own time but I, I do really value time on my own it clears my head it makes me a nicer person and I think as well anyone who's looking to maybe push themselves a bit and I mean and I have been I have talked about outside your comfort zone I'm not I'm not saying you need to do a bungee jump off like a bridge or anything when you go traveling but if you have never taken a solo trip ever before even going on a solo trip is enough of a push I think to really build the confidence to get yourself out there to, to have some new experiences and you never really know what's going to happen so I have to tell you a couple little stories. I've taken two trips on my own that were really amazing. And this is the only time I actually had a real problem. And it wasn't even that big of a problem. We were at a conference in Berlin and I decided I was going to get on the train and go to Dresden and Prague. What I didn't realize is that on the trains, there are designated assigned seats or you can get a ticket that does not have an assigned seat. So when I got on the train with my big bag, at that time, that was pre Kanmari. It would have been half the size now. I couldn't figure out what I was, where I was supposed to go. I sat in a seat, and I was told that that was not my seat. So I was just kind of standing around helpless with this bag. But I realized what I had done and made sure on the way back and the rest of the journey, I had an assigned seat. So it was like a little problem, but it was really scary at the moment. It was just like I didn't know what to do or where I was supposed to go. But it, you know, it was a learning experience. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awful, isn't it? You just feel like everyone's looking at you and you don't know what you're doing and everyone else knows what they're doing. But yes. Yeah, yeah. Then the other trip that I took, I went to Paris for a week on my own, which was amazing. And one of the points of that entire trip was to 
to go to a lot of really great restaurants because I had really wanted to do like a restaurant tour of Paris. But I was really uncomfortable going to these super fancy restaurants for dinner alone. So what I figured out was that you can go at lunch and it's a much more just kind of okay thing to be eating on your own at lunch. So do you have any other tips for people who are dealing with that whole eating alone in a restaurant thing and feeling uncomfortable about that? I mean, I know what you mean. It can feel really daunting, especially if it's like a fancy place, like you mentioned. I would definitely say that if you're eating out alone, try not to overthink it. I actually personally avoid anywhere which is too high end because one, it's quite expensive, but and I, but I appreciate that if you're in Paris, you might want to have that kind of high end, lovely, fancy dinner experience. I'll even do some research into the best restaurants to dine alone. And when I've like kind of identified a few, I'll look them up on TripAdvisor and I'll filter the reviews by like solo traveler, which you can do there. And I'll also even look at the pictures of the restaurant and think, am I going to be comfortable in here? Ah, or am I going to stick out? Yeah. Am I going to stick out like a sore thumb? And I think, you know, no matter where it is, once you've eaten out on your own a couple of times, it gets easier and it doesn't feel awkward after the first couple of times of, of doing it. I was in Paris and I went to a lovely restaurant called the Polydor. It's always really busy. It's got a mixture of like Parisians and uh, tourists, I guess, because it's quite a popular one. But that one has really good like long communal tables to sit at, which I think kind of takes the edge off a bit. Um, rather than, you know, sitting on a table all on your own, you know, you feel like, oh, okay, I'm just part of this table now. Things like communal tables, anywhere with bar stools. I mean, when I was in New York, I found a lot of restaurants had that set up as well. That, for me, makes it a bit less like I'm sticking out. But also, people don't really notice anyway. And I think cities like Paris and New York, people do eat out on their own and it's not like a weird thing. I get why you would be nervous, but I do think that if you can relax and not worry about, is anyone looking at me or do I look like stupid because I'm on my own? If you can kind of not worry about that so much, try and relax and take in the whole scene around you, I think you'll have a good time. And not only that, but I mean, this has happened to me in Barcelona, tapas restaurants. I've got such good service when I'm on my own. Sometimes I get freebies. I did in Copenhagen. I got some cinnamon buns. <laughs> and you tend to get more uh, specialized attention. If other people are on their own, they will talk to you too. So I would not worry about it or overthink it too much and just try it. I mean, try it in your hometown once if it, like, for, before you go, if you want to have a little um, like trial run. And if you're really feeling nervous, you can always take a book to read, you know, so you don't, you might not feel like you're just sitting there staring into space and um, one thing I would say would be don't be staring at your phone all the time as a safety <laughs> device because we all look at our phones too much I definitely look at my phone too much you know if you've pushed yourself anywhere to go and sit at a restaurant on your own don't just absorb yourself in your phone because you're missing out on everything that's going on just try and relax and take it all in Gemma, those are great tips. And oh, thank you. we ask all of our guests at this very moment, what is sparking the most joy in your life? Well, this is such a nice question. <laughs> I have a four-year-old daughter called Rosa, and she is a little joy every single day. I mean, she has her moments and like tantrums like, like any four-year-old. But yeah, she brings me the most joy in my life. Um, and, you know, she's a little traveler too. So I'm sure we're going to have plenty of adventures um, together in the future as well. 
The other one is completely different, and that is to wake up in a new country for me is a joy to you know, wake up and hear life going on around you in a different language, in a different city, in a different weather, different culture, different climate. It's so exciting and you never know what's going to happen. You never know what the day is going to hold. You feel a bit more alive, don't you? Just so refreshing. Wow, those are great answers. Thank and you. now I am so excited about planning my next trip. I hadn't even been thinking about it, but now I'm like going to make a plan. Oh, it's all about the research. Yeah. <laughs> all about the exactly. Research. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Demma. We so appreciate having you on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. It's been so nice to, to talk to you. Thank you so much. To reach Demma, you can find her at girlsattravel.com and you can also tune in to her podcast, A Girl's Guide to Traveling Alone on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, we'll have all the links for you. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning tiding questions or share stories about how Kamari has impacted your life. You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask SparkJoy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. You can also join the discussion on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at sparkjoypodcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your hosts, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with Kamari Media Inc. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Kamari Media Inc. or the Kamari Consultant Community.